You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for... Alongside with my brothers This is Justin Corona And What up everybody This is Brother Vic And we are now Now Finally Back in the mix This is Reformed Don't forget to hit us up At reformedrasa.com Reformedrasa at gmail.com Go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Wherever you listen to podcasts That's where you can follow us And subscribe and hit that five-star like, like button on Apple if you would be so kind to do so. You could also find us at the Reformed... At, at the Society, the Society of Reformed, of Reformed Podcasters. Podcasters. <laughs> yes. Go ahead and hit that up. The Society of Reformed Podcasters is a network of Reformed Podcasts that your boys right here are part of. So don't forget to hit that up. Um, I believe the website is reformedpodcast.com. So go ahead and hit that up. And this is, once again, Reform Raza, where the next episode is promised and guaranteed that will come eventually. Yeah. <laughs> It'll come whenever the Lord wills. <laughs> It'll be providential to whatever you're going It through. is guaranteed that the next episode is going to come, but it's not promised to win. That's we We're trying. <laughs> so the, it's been read, a minute, read right? the fine print. Read the fine print. It's guaranteed, but it's not promised. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> so it's been a minute since we've been up on this mic, you know what I mean? Um, we've been busy, you know what I mean? Like those of you that follow us on Instagram. Well, also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. So if you guys been, you know, uh, listening and following us, you know that um, we're trying to do this church plants in the city of Santa Ana, Orange County. Um, and we've been just been, been uh, putting work, you know, what I mean, the first step into church planting it was for us to be elders at our church. And so phase one is almost complete for the past year. We have been um, doing eldership candidacy, going through the training and by God's grace, that will come to an end very, very soon and be ordained elders at the Reformed Church of Los Angeles. So keep us in prayer for that. And that's that's going to be the first step. And after that, you know, what I mean, we're set to plant in 2023. So next year already, you know, we've been talking about this for since last year. And even before that, I think, right, since 2020, I think, right, right away as we soon got there, right? They're just like, all right, y'all ready to do this? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, so we've been training. We've been uh, just doing the necessary work that we got to do to be church planters. So phase one is almost complete. Um, and if you live in Southern California, around the Orange County area, and 
close enough to LA, I guess. Because we got people coming from Inglewood and Watts, you know, coming from all the way to our Tuesday night Bible studies. And if you've seen our Instagram, um, we post every Tuesday, uh, welcoming anybody that is able to join us for our in-person Bible studies. Um, the goal of which to build our core group to launch this church plant from. So if you are in the area or you know someone that's in the area, hit them up, send them a link, be like, hey, these vatos right here, they're freedmen on their doctrine and they're about to do something big. So hit them up. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what we've been up to. Just putting in work. How you guys been? We've been doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a lot of things uh, that we've been, I mean, we've been obviously busy not being able to record, but uh, it's, it's good being able to record right now and put out this episode. And man, I want to uh, thank all you guys who have been listening to us out of nowhere during these past couple of months that we haven't been recording. We had, got like a random surge of people just listening to, to episodes. We, we haven't put out an episode since the Latino October. Reformation on Reformation Day. Yeah. And we've had about 4,000 plays because we, yeah. we, yeah. Well, even even that episode and then the um, the family one that we did, that one got that one's like our most those two are like our most listened to episodes. And just randomly in December, we had like like over like 600 people just like started listening to our episodes. If everyone that listened follows on Instagram, we would have over. We would have a lot of followers. So y'all lagging it, man. Hit that follow button. If I had a nickel for every for every person that listens to us, I'd have two nickels. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's what we've been up to, man. So um, so what brings us to today's episode? Um, same thing we've been talking about. We've been uh, talking about lately, just about. You know, the church, how, you know, the ins and outs, we, we talked about churcher, we talked about um, legalism, we talked about, you know, some pretty dope things, and just all centered around the church, right? And so, us here at Reformed Rasa, we are zealous for um, the reformation that is happening in the Hispanic community, and seeing a lot of Latinos come into sound doctrine, because if you know, if you're Latino and a Christian, more than likely you have a Pentecostal background. And that's what's been dominating our community for the past, well, like, I don't know, 50 years, you know what I mean? Um, and so that's that's what's common in Hispanic uh, Christian communities that it's automatically Pentecostal and that's all you see, right? Um, but there's been a movement lately of reforming Latinos coming out of that and coming to sound doctrine, coming to sound theology and just... Um, being really zealous for the Lord and discovering these doctrines that should have been um, known to us a long time ago, but it's 2022 now and we're barely seeing this happening. So, I mean, it, it took a minute, but we're here, you know what I mean? And so there's a, there's a lot of uh, good hope for the future and knowing that the Hispanic community is waking up to sound doctrine, you know what I mean? Um, so, and season... Was it season two? We had the misconceptions of Calvinism episode. Mm -hmm. Season two, yeah. Yeah, season two. And uh, we talked about our story, how we got the boot from our previous church for being uh, Calvinist. And um, sadly, that's an all too common picture for a lot of us out there. And 
we have another story for you guys um, along the same tip. You know what I mean? Um, and just, we just with bringing this story, you know, with our guest today, uh, we just want to demonstrate that it's okay. It's okay for Latinos to be Calvinists. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to to have sound doctrine. As crazy as that sounds to say, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to dig into your Bible. <laughs> it's okay to do theology. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's okay, okay to have a different opinion than your pastor. <laughs> right. Hey, that's a big one right there. That's a that's a big statement right there. And um. Yeah, man. So we get this. We're gonna talk about again misconceptions of Calvinism part two. Parentheses. It's okay to be a Calvinist. Um, and our guest today, we've had him on before in season one, episode whatever. Can't remember. Um, <laughs> uh, brother Joseph Marquez, alongside with his wife Sarah Marquez. How y'all doing? Okay, okay, let's, te- let's test that mic real quick. Get, get close, get close. We're doing real good. We're excited to be here. Yes, agreed. There you go, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. And Joseph, we had you on before, brother, and you were starting uh, Post magazine. Tenebras. Post Tenebras. Society. There was a halt to it, but now you're going back at it, and we're going to talk about that. Um, but how y'all doing? Doing really, really, really good. We're, I would say we're in a pretty good place, but... I can only speak for myself. I think uh, my wife's got a yeah, pretty good place. I don't know why I'm so nervous, but <laughs> it's natural. It's natural. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. You have tens and tens of people listening outside the door right now, so <laughs> to your every word. <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, we want to bring you guys on just to talk about your guys' experience because your experience is very similar to to ours, and it's crazy how similar it is, right? Yeah. Like. Yep. Almost to the T, but I think yours is in a, on, on a kind of on a bigger scale. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, our church was pretty small. I mean, it wasn't a huge church, but you guys' church was a little bit bigger. And so you guys went through some things and we want to talk about those things and in the hopes of edifying the listener right now who may be going through the same thing. So if you guys want to start, uh, kind of give a little context before we get into the story. Um, how did you guys get saved? How did you guys meet? And what led you to the church that you used to be at? And then the things that happened afterwards. Okay, so uh, my wife, Sarah, primarily grew up in church, right? Uh, spent her whole life in the church. Yeah, um, little. Since she was Pentecostal. Very, Pentecostal church since she was very little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up uh, being saved through a punk rock show ministry mm. in high school when I was 15. Didn't come from... Uh, a true professing Christian background. Uh, parents told me that they believed in Christ much later after I had been converted and saved. And I didn't really know too much that they were involved in any sort of faith until I was much older. Uh, and then we met uh, to continue the Pentecostal trend. We met at a Pentecostal Bible college uh, almost 14 years ago. Uh, two years after that, we were married. And around the same time, maybe about a year before that, we started attending the church that we were at for almost... 13 years uh, up until November of this year, of last year. Yeah. So we were 19 when we started going there. We're yeah. 32 now. Yeah, man. Um, and if you hear kids, <laughs> you already know we're Presbyterian. It's because we're covenantal, <laughs> right? And we're Mexican, so we have a lot of children. 
So that's true. Yeah. So yeah. And so yeah. So you guys started going to the church. You guys did. You guys start getting involved right away, or uh, how did that happen? I would say we we got involved within a year of being there. Maybe a year and a half. Uh, we served in a lot of capacities there. We served. Uh, serving in a lot of ministries and then ultimately leading a few ministries and being in the leadership there uh, up until the last few years that we were there. But we were, we were relatively involved for the majority of our stay at, at that church. And um, you, you, you were a leader as well, Sarah, or what? Like, uh, well, we were Bible study leaders for a bit. Um, I don't know how many years. Like almost, almost five years. Yeah. Mm. And then um, I was just involved in the worship. Mm. ministry cool 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 and you were a teacher there too just yeah, so, so i i was part of the founding uh i, I use this term loosely theology ministry uh <laughs> there that that still continues this day we also served a lot in the children's ministry in, yeah. in our early mm-hmm. years um and and uh basically anything you so when we got there it was it was a church plant mm-hmm. uh, i want to say we were probably like members 32 and 33 or something like that uh, it grew over the years, but we were able to get involved in a lot of things there. And then during that time, uh, are you able to pinpoint a time when I guess you you were more um, enlightened or illumined to um, the doctrines of grace? And how was that? So I first I first came into the doctrines of grace through a, after my freshman year in college. Uh, my roommate was a Calvinist mm-hmm. at the Pentecostal College, probably the only one in the whole on whole campus uh, by the sovereignty of God. Didn't. <laughs> but, uh, and and uh, we would argue because I was just totally against it and and not really understanding it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the semester was ending, uh, he knew that I, I was gonna I wasn't gonna be living on campus going forward, so he gave me Calvin's Institutes. Mm. And so I read that over the summer. And I didn't. I wouldn't say that I became a Calvinist immediately after that, but there were things, there were questions that got. You had a hurdle like, over, huh? Yeah, and it was almost yeah. like, okay, there's questions here that need answering, and and so fast forward maybe another six months from there, I stumble across a really good radio show known as Renewing Your Mind mm. by R.C. Sproul, and, and that started uh, just. It felt like just the momentum just kept building. So I would say we were probably in year two maybe year three at that church when uh, I realized the doctrines of grace and Calvinism mm-hmm. uh, were, in, in my opinion, a more biblical approach mm-hmm. uh, to things. And how was that for you, Sarah, being his wife? Were you guys married at that time or just dating? Uh, we were married. So how was that as a wife, hearing him say these things or, or you know, sharing these things with you, um, being something that's like totally like maybe a... <laughs> Brand like, new, something you've yeah, heard something that's different than what you've yeah. you've known. It was, uh, you know, how he says like year two and three. I was probably year three and four mm. because I grew up Pentecostal, mm-hmm. and he, you know, before even going to college was like, I mean, he was atheist before he got introduced to God, you know. So him teaching me all these things was more like. I would go back and I'm like, no, first of all, yeah. that's not like you have it so, so wrong. <laughs> and it was like almost like appalling the things that he was saying. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I go back and I'm, I'm going in my Bible to, I know this sounds horrible, but like I'm going to my Bible to kind of like 
prove to him yeah. what I believe is right, how I grew up and all that stuff. So I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I never heard any of these things that I'm reading right now, all the stuff that he's introducing me to. And I grew up in church and I was like, not to be whatever. I must've been that kind of way, like uh, priding myself, mm -hmm. like growing up in church and being in church my whole life. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really interesting. Um, time for us to be going like going back and forth him teaching me me finding out that he was right <laughs> and just learning learning a lot um together from there but yeah so what 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 kind of convinced you like okay at this moment i realized that he was right and i saw the things that he was talking about in scripture what was that like light bulb moment for you uh the light bulb moment um I think was was the scriptures about objects of wrath and objects mm. of mercy, and then going back to yeah. uh, Jacob and Esau, and mm -hmm. just just seeing Romans that it's nine. like Romans yes, nine. just seeing like everything is just it's woven into every single mm -hmm. story. It's not even something that you would really have to overlook everything. So it's like everything that I learned all my life, mm -hmm. it was like as if. It was like blue pill and red pill. It was like mm -hmm. we were like kind of geared Bro. like always being taught to never say those those things were never said so uh -huh. it was just kind of like oh my gosh like it's been it's like almost like ignored because they like say all these scriptures but never this one yeah. never this mm -hmm. one never this one so i think just those those two um jacob esau and then uh, romans 9 that just really i was like okay i'm in this i can't i yeah. can't ignore it um i have to i it's there i'm gonna believe it and then just went from there i just had to decide that uh, if it's there, I'm, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now that you guys, uh, you guys are learning this this new uh, theology, you guys are learning Calvinism, the doctrines of grace. So the next point, I, I, I guess, is how did your church respond, or how did how did you go about learning this new theology? But those around you were kind of like not in the same boat. Like how how did how did that how how did that happen to you as as a Calvinist now, and now in this church? How did the church respond? So there was there was still a good amount of time between uh, us coming across these doctrines, believing these doctrines, and I guess you would say us being fully outed about these doctrines. I, I could remember the moment where uh, it was finally realized that, hey, Joseph might be a Calvinist. Uh, I was in one of these uh, classes that I was teaching, and so I have all my slides and I'm going through it. and then. Uh, immediately, there's a quote by R.C. Sproul that I put up just to see what everybody would say. Oh, and the man. other teacher, like, gasped. He was like, he just like, eyes wide open, jaw open. He was like, uh, like he just froze on <laughs> line because, because I quoted R.C. Sproul, and that's not cool in non-reformed circles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I remember, I don't remember the exact quote, but I remember the topic, and the topic was free will. And, and I used uh, Dr. Sproul's uh, example of we don't have a free will now that, that after the fall we have a bondage will, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And that just set off a huge debate and an argument within the class. And that was the first time that that uh, people had realized, hey, they might believe something at least a little bit different than what we believe here. Mm -hmm. And uh, at first. It didn't seem to be an issue, and, 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 and I think primarily it wasn't really an issue because they had never really dealt with a yeah. Calvinist before. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, we were already woven into the fabric of the community of the church. We had already been serving in ministry. We were already close with everybody. And by the time they realized, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative sense, but it was almost too late. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that, that's, that's what happens when... Uh, I think what it comes down to is tradition. A lot of, a lot of the churches that we come from they don't look at themselves as traditional, right? But they're very traditional because they'll say a lot of things. Well, this is how I was taught and this is how we do things and this is the way it's going to be, right? Not realizing that it's all tradition, right? So the common tradition amongst uh, these churches is very topical um, in the preaching, right? They'll go from one scripture and this scripture. Mm-hmm. We're just going to talk about, I don't know, pride today. And they're going to get all the scriptures that talk about pride and why you shouldn't be prideful. And it becomes uh, a law-based sermon, right? Using the scriptures. And they're not realizing like, oh, don't be prideful because God doesn't like you to be prideful without sharing the gospel. It was very right? moralistic. A very moralistic law uh, preaching, right? And so it's easy to get caught up in those kind of things. So you, you never really, you, you're, you think that they're preaching the Bible because they're using scripture, Right? Because you feel convicted. Yeah, right? That's yeah. a big one. That's a good point right there. This, this may hurt people listening, and it, and it hurts me too in the past self, but it's like a Paul Washer, but like not Calvinist type sermon. Yeah. Where it's like getting you to rethink your salvation and then leading you to do certain things so that you can, you know, be saved again. And then, and then, they I, I don't know if it was call. like that with your church, but it would always end with the altar call, and then you'll see the same people going to the altar, as if they're rededicating their lives to Christ again for the next, you know, church day again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things we began to realize is, is in that model, uh, most of these people had no assurance, mm-hmm. so they they were week in and week out gaining and losing, gaining and losing their for salvation, real, dude. and so it creates this culture where. Uh, we realized you had to try to fit these behavior modifications and meet these external, non-biblical, extra-biblical goals in order to prove that you hadn't lost your salvation in order to have to regain it again. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think the biggest thing is, is you're right. And, and so when we finally had come out as Calvinists openly, uh, things kind of unraveled slowly at first, but um, ever more thereafter every year. Uh, I can say this looking back on our time. So I'm kind of a nerd. You guys know that about me. I'm into math, mm-hmm. math and stuff. But like, and grass. <laughs> right? Sure, not right now, bro. <laughs> but I, I began to think of things as is. Uh, so there's, it, it, when you're when you're graphing things in, in mm-hmm. engineering and math and stuff like that, there's two types of models you can look at. There's a static model and a variable model. Mm-hmm. A static model doesn't ever move. The conditions always stay the same. A variable model, things are always moving in different directions. And what I began to realize is that we were only becoming more reformed over time. But mm. They were also only becoming more, more moralistic, more yeah. pragmatic at the same time. So the divide uh, began to get wider and wider, not just in belief, but in uh, how people saw us, how they treated us, how they dealt with us. Um, and ultimately, when we left, it wasn't just on our beliefs. There was a lot of friction, a lot of history, a lot of issues that just came up over the years. Mm. And and it kind of all came to a head where uh, my wife can tell you a story of, mm-hmm. of somebody uh, laughing in her face and ignoring her mid-conversation. Wow. You know, because of oh, what she man. believed. And I don't know if she wants to shed some light on that, but there was a few issues even just with worship and stuff like that. And 
Yeah, that's kind of to answer your question. It was, if I had to sum up what happened in the relationships, the divide grew bigger every day. Wow. Dang. Yeah, so Sarah, you, you were involved with the worship, right? So you were up there singing and... Um, I don't. What, what, what did you sing? Just sing, or did you play the guitar? Uh, singing, playing guitar. Did you speak in tongues? Sometimes. <laughs> um, not over the microphone. When, when, when the spirit willed it. Not into the microphone. Yeah. So, so okay. You guys are. You guys got put on this theology, and you're starting to see some things. And now the church is kind of, you know, treating you a little bit differently. So, how did that affect um, you during worship? Like. Um, did you sit yourself down or you guys sat down or when people realized that you guys were Calvinists, did you continue in the worship ministry? So um, when it was coming, um, I mean, there's a lot of issues during um, while we we're on just like the, I think the first couple years was more like trying to suggest biblical songs yeah. and it just always been like slap Bro. down slap yeah. down slap like it's like Tell no guys, we're not gonna to do that thing. that's not by hill song though <laughs> yeah like what's new though and i'm just like dude might as well do coldplay then if all you care about right? is being new and <laughs> getting emotions but um yeah so it was that was the first couple years and i'm like um you know okay well they're never gonna do those songs and but maybe they maybe one day you know and mm-hmm. i always like holding on holding on and then it was um I took I took a long like a long time off and then when I got back on um, it was I just like I don't know I feel like it really put a whole halt on I guess like my walk because I forgot how hard it was um, to be on a team like that um, just really what's new what's new what's new mm-hmm. what's like what's gonna bring like a lot of emotion and they literally I mean it's it's not anything hidden it's they you know everyone's really gonna like this one everyone's really gonna whatever um and then once I started just messaging um the leaders like directly mm-hmm. like just texting you know or or having a conversation with them hey this song is like really heretical and the church um you know we're putting people onto these churches you know and they're listening to their sermons and it's so off and um it's all this new age stuff and it's crazy like and i'm showing them all this stuff and um and it's just really not being received um but even more so really being like dude are you you, are you still Mm -hmm. like on this stuff um and i think it it came to um to a head when when I had uh, approached one, because uh, she she just would not re- not respond, not respond, and I would call her everything, and then um, finally I'm like, hey, like um, I you know I was telling you about this team, like they're actually affirming, like you know homosexuals and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. they're being a, an affirming group, you yeah. know, and um, this is all the stuff like that I'm that I'm finding, and like, but you know I just want to let you know, like so like we don't you know do their songs and and everything and. Um, and it was really that was the really hardest part that was i want to say more recently um because this is like and we have like this what we call fellowship hall so it's like in a main area where everybody's hanging out and having coffee and talking and all that stuff um and this is the worship leader um you know sweet as can be and laughed in my face um just because they're no one wants to hear it they're done hearing like hey this song's heretical hey let's try this biblical song and that was super, super hurtful. Um, I was so embarrassed. Um, she laughed in my face and and turned around as if I wow. wasn't there. And I was just like, wow, this is like, 
this is how I'm seeing now. Like yeah. it's it's to the point where I'm not even a per, like not even like the respect the is respect done. of yeah. just a a regular person. Like I just like it was horrible. It was such mm-hmm. a horrible feeling. But yeah, that was that was a big far. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Oh, I'm a little concerned <laughs> about her, buddy. Your salvation. Uh, this is my nightmare. This is my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that part out. It y'all. was terrible. I'll keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> edit it out. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah, man. So that sounds pretty hard. That does sound pretty hard, man. And and unfortunately, I mean, that's that's always going to be the case. You know what I mean? Um when we get excited for this theology that we've been learning and we want to share it and people are so stuck on their tradition they don't want to hear it and you end up being the bad guy you end up being the weird person you you end up being the person that no one really wants to kick it with because of what you believe right yeah yeah i mean i i if if we're making a joke if i had a quarter or a nickel if i had a nickel for every time somebody got put in a meeting and said don't listen to joseph he's weird yeah, I'd, I'd probably be a much wealthier man than I am. Yeah, today. not even weird. He Joseph has been called a wolf wow. many times Bro. because he's Calvinist and because of what he believes. It's mm-hmm. like that's not what we believe. Like he's a wolf. Don't and they'll corner people, people yeah. that we're close to, and then it's like everyone who we're close to, it just they get cornered. So it was. Just, and this was while you guys were still there. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So almost ninety-five percent of what we're saying. Actually, all of what we're saying, because I, I don't know what's going on now that I'm not, mm-hmm. <laughs> not fully at least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it, it got to the point in the church at, at, towards the end there where most of our friends, I, I do believe that they loved us. I don't want to say that they didn't. Yeah. But it got to the point where it wasn't worth it to be our friends anymore because wow. there's just so much hassle just to be our friends, just to just to pe- for people to know that we're, we, we speak on occasion. Mm-hmm. It became such a hassle. And those people ended up being targets in and of themselves. Like, I'll be honest with you. So most of the conversations have always happened about me. They never happened with me. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the hard part is I have friends who we were, we were like brothers. A lot of us, you know, I had one brother who lived on my couch. Like I was telling you for yeah. like nine months because his parents kicked him out for being a Christian, you know, and, and uh, it got to the point where it was just like it's, they, they would corner him so much. They would attack him so much for being my friend uh that that he just ended up ghosting us all together and it, and it was like i mean these weren't people like even the one who laughed in my wife's face these aren't random people these are people we, we stood by them I, I was in their weddings wow. right we were at baby showers we spent life together uh her husband was one of my best friends right so these weren't things that were just like oh we're just over here talking to random people about mm-hmm. doctrine we're coming to brothers and sisters in the lord with concern and uh, it became so intolerable that, uh, yeah, it just became less and less and less. And I'd have these friends coming to me saying, oh, they said this about you. They said this. Like, is it wow. true? Is it true? Are you really like this? Are you really like that? And I'm like, bro, you, you hang out with me like every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm like. Right? And, and, and But the narratives, uh, they grew and they grew and they grew. And, and then it got to a point where uh, my kids were being shunned. Mm. Right, my wife was being shunned. Obviously, um, I'm a dude, so like, like I'm not. Saying, I'm a dude. He's right? a dude. <laughs> She's a dude. We're all dudes. <laughs> but it got to the point where I think, like, I used to think so all these years. My intention was, look, I'll just take all these beatings and we'll shed, we'll shed the truth. And one day, by the grace of God, things will change here. This church will reform to a more biblical, biblically sound place. Mm. 
And that was always our intention. My intention was never to cause harm. It yeah. was never to hurt the church. It was never to even take down the church. The, my intention was, man, maybe they just don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and because uh, God had shown us so much through the doctrines of grace, through the doctrine of election, through the assurance of salvation that he's given us, that I just wanted everybody to have that. You yeah. know, and uh, I never imagined it would backfire in the way that it did. Yeah. And you bring up a good point. Um, first of all, before I bring up my point, um, all this is based on a misconception. Because the when we come out, as hard as it says, you know, as Calvinists and start saying all these things, automatically people assume something wrong, right? And they have these misconceptions already about what Calvinism is. That automatically they they assume that misconception on you. Oh, you're Calvinist. You believe that you know uh, no one can get saved or this and that. You know what I mean? Whatever the misconception is, and they look at you through those lens. So a lot of harm comes from misconceptions. You know, and we're like, no, nah, no, nah, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. And people don't want to do that. They they want to stay on their, their misconception, and that's the hardest part. Yeah, that's what I've experienced in in you know. And during my time is like all these misconceptions cause harm. And it's not like we're the ones trying to convert people to Calvinism. We're just excited of the new things we've learned. They put the misconception on you and they start labeling you. Oh, this guy's don't mess with this fool right here. And they use a lot of mm-hmm. uh, covert terms yeah. to express these misconceptions. Like one of the things you hear all the time is, oh, they're just head knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or... Uh, quench the spirit or yeah. dumb questions like yeah. and I'll say dumb lightly well not lightly but like well why even evangelize right. Right? and you hear things like this over and over again even over the pulpit the at frozen times. chosen yeah exactly <laughs> or sleep like a Calvinist yeah. <laughs> and you hear all these jokes right and the second you don't make a joke but you say something in seriousness and biblical concern about a tradition that isn't biblical yeah you're saying now we're the bad guys right like bro you've been attacking me the whole time you know what i mean and i say one critique oh you see you see it's like oh man and it's it's really hard it's really hard to to stay encouraged because you're kind of against the grain and you brought up a good point uh trying to reform the church we know that God can do anything, right? Anything is possible. I mean, that's a given, right? But it, but how? What, what is it going to take for to a, for a church to reform? So I, I wish I could give you an answer on that. Uh, I was a full believer up until six months ago that our church could still reform. Yeah, I was. Um, it wasn't until I realized and I fully realized that. The reason why it's highly unlikely... Now, God, again, I, I would mm-hmm. never preclude that God can not do something. Mm-hmm. God can do something. Yep. But I think that oftentimes the other side, uh, and I'll, I don't want to label it by name because there's, there's actually a few other sides yeah. to, to the Calvinistic belief, but uh, refuses to acknowledge that there's a fundamental difference in beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at churches logistically and how they operate, they're driven by that fundamental belief that we all, we all have. And so the fundamental belief of a Calvinist versus other is always going to be dramatically different. This is why we see things uh, that are so prevalent in non-Calvinistic churches. Say we see crazy lights and mm-hmm. haze and fog and free burritos and free churros. And, yeah. uh, and, and so that, that difference comes down to kind of 
what you believe the church even is supposed to do. Yeah. Right. So from a from a reform perspective, now correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have been on this a little bit longer than I have, but uh, the church is for the saints to come yeah. and be built up, to mm-hmm. gather, to yep. be equipped, and then to go out and do the work of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other side believes that the church is the evangelistic hub. Mm. We don't we don't preach people the gospel day to day. We hopefully, hopefully attract them into church that they may maybe hear the gospel from a pastor yeah. and maybe come to a later salvation. And so we try to entice them with mm-hmm. things rather than uh, us being fed by the gospel and then going out and living lives uh, that that preach the gospel. Yep, you got it. And so to answer the question, what does it take for a church to reform a church from that angle? It would have to be a complete dismantling of what they, their fundamental beliefs, which is very, very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, just when we're talking about this the other day, mm-hmm. about what is it going to take? Not yet. Uh, I, I, I think, well, going back to what you guys were talking about before, people are afraid of what they don't know, what they don't understand. And and for for people to, to, to begin differing and, and ostracizing and even just shunning, it's because... Subconsciously, like biblical doctrine goes against their idols, yeah. mm, right? There, mm. There's an there's an idolization of a pastor, or there's an idolization of this this idea that Christianity is this one size fits all type of religion. That like, man, you know, I'm a Christian. Like, like we don't go against other people. Like, we make peace with everybody. And we love on everybody and like we're 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 all about this right and and and, and in that way like everyone is welcome to come it's almost like a, a joel scene type thing where it's like like we want to make sure everyone is welcomed when they come like nobody feels offended or anything yeah, like that's that the point. Like no one feels convicted yeah. uh and and i think it's that i it's that idea that idolization of whatever it is that they hold to when when biblical doctrine when when calvinistic things get brought up it battles that idea and and it puts everyone on the defense because if it is true the calvinistic doctrine if it is true then they have to do a lot of work to deconstruct what they already believe and what they already have placed as an idol in their heart and that's a lot of work and 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 then it leads them into an area of unknown and they don't want to go through that um and so then just leading to to that question um, what would it take for a church to, to reform one of one of my answers would have is separation yep because if people are stuck in their ways they're going to be stuck in their ways and and that's something i learned in the hard way because even in, in our church or our previous church i was just like you like i was just like man like no i want to stay here until like i'm i, I want to see the lord like reform this church in the same way like not because you know uh, we have it all right, but because like I truly want to see my brothers and sisters that you know I've, I've established like we have relationships, we have done life with each other for like ten years. I want to see them come to the same knowledge that I've come to, mm-hmm. because it is very assuring for the believer. It is very rewarding to know these things, um, and to also save my brothers and sisters from harm of of beating themselves up, of thinking that they're going to lose their salvation if they sin or whatever it may be. And so I was like that. I want I wanted everyone to come to that knowledge and and I feel like holding onto the idea for so long may lead us 
to overlook some things in our own doctrine. And so the reason why I say maybe separation is is the answer for reforming a church is because of that. Is because when we get put onto biblical doctrine, the natural flow is separation. Because anything that is biblical in itself is separating from everything else. Not that we intentionally separate ourselves, but because from the perspective of everyone else, it's so different than what they already know, they want to separate from it. And so that separation just comes naturally, right? It's just like when Jesus said, like he came to bring a sword and I don't want to use that out of context, but it's true because the word is sharp. It is a sword and it naturally divides itself from anything that is not truth. And so for real reformation to happen, it has, there has to be a type of separation. Um, the hopes is that the whole church comes to the, to the knowledge, but if not, the natural flow is that we end up being separated, not because we want to, but because everyone else doesn't want it. Yeah, and I think um, when we talk about separation, if the pastor of the church plant, whatever, um, if they come to this realization, all oh, this Calvinism thing is true, and they're dependent financially or have, you know, part of a denomination, they're going to have to separate themselves from that financial resource and the denomination. And that's going to cause, there's a whole line of problems in it with itself. And not only that, but getting the whole congregation to be on the same page, it's going to take some work. Um, so th I think that's what that's what has to happen is that separation from from the financial uh, resource and from the denomination to be your own kind of thing. And now where are you going to get money from? You know, what I mean, you've been dependent on this, you know, on this system financially. Now you got to do your own fundraising. Now you got to do this and um so it, it is going to have to take a lot of work. Yeah, we, we experienced something similar to that. Now, the, the one part where our stories differ is we actually left on our own will. Yeah. You know, we, we left uh, in conversations with our pastors at the time. Uh, I wouldn't say it was fully agreed upon, but we were released uh, by our request. Um, but one of the things that did constantly come up in a lot of the conversations was we were part of a bigger organization. Mm-hmm. And now the, the, the organization did have egalitarian roots in it. It wasn't like it was yeah. surprising, but much of the, the organization was moving in an egalitarian direction. Mm -hmm. So much so that at the last conference, they ordained a bunch of women. Wow. Right. And, uh, and so that was a conversation topic that, that did come up when I was trying to explain, look, we do have a fundamental difference mm -hmm. in beliefs. I'm not saying you're not Christian. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not, I'm not making that judgment. But uh, I referenced uh, it's Paul and Barnabas when they, they basically decided it's better to do ministry separate going yeah. forward uh, because of a sharp contention. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that kept coming up, for, and, and I said that, and they had asked me, what would it take for you to stay? And I said, well, uh, I don't want to be part of this network anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be part of this organization anymore. I think that this organization is going, is not only uh, has issues, but it's trending faster and faster into unbiblical direction. Uh, and, and blatantly unbiblical, not yeah. just a few things here and there. And so while the church that we were attending hadn't jumped on board with all that stuff, they still exhibited an undying support for that organization. Yeah. Right. And, and, and in my mind, I mean, I could be dead wrong, but in my mind, trying to project how things were to be played out if we were to stick it out, 
uh, there would never, there's never going to be a time where they say, hey, we're out of this organization. Yeah. Right? That would never come. And that's, we realized that's what it would take. And because we realized that's what it would take, we realized it would never come. And we realized it would never come. We realized it was t- our time to go. Yeah. I think another answer to, to that question of what would it take for a church to reform? Um, other than separation, I, I think the other answer would be um, starting with the leaders of the church or the head of the church, I would say. Because usually in, in these circles, in evangelical circles, non-denominational, the pastor's the head, right? It's not, you know, elder-led where it's a group of or a council of leaders, whatever. It's usually just the one pastor. Um, and I think for a church to, to, to reform, it would have to take the, the pastor, uh, because, you know, anyone else underneath could change all they want. But if the pastor doesn't agree with it, he could very easily just, you know, you know, I'm sorry, brother, but you need to go find another church type yep. of thing. Right. Uh, but if the pastor comes on to these things, it's more easy, easier to be received because the church is loyal to the pastor most times in these circles rather than the doctrine or rather than to the Bible. Yeah. Because he, people are easier to agree and stand for what whatever the pastor says, even if it's against the Bible, versus standing on what the word says, even if it's against their pastor. So if, if the pastor comes to, to this, it may take some time, but it it will lead the church into a more biblical direction in, in how they view the doctrines, various doctrines, you know, not just the doctrine of grace, because that's just the beginning. There's more doctrines out there under you know reformed theology that that really does go against uh typical churches american churches thank can i say something about that real quick uh just uh just this whole thing gives me flashbacks man just uh your story and what we're we're all talking about because at our other church i had the position of the assistant pastor so i would be up in the pulpit teaching and preaching and uh when i got into this uh whole uh calvinistic view now in my preachings, I wouldn't I wouldn't use theological terms, but it would be, but the message would still be Calvinistic, and so I remember uh, I remember getting into the, to this, these doctrines, and I was in front of the church, and this sermon is on the word consasson with with uh, Jonathan when he created it. It's under craving the word. I basically told the church that they're dead, and that they need in order for you to crave the word of God, you need to be justified. You need to know all these things, and I can just remember, you listen to the to the to the recording, and the whole church is silent because they're they're like, oh dang, this guy's putting us up on game. And so even but the 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 senior pastor was saying, amen, yep, 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 yes, and all that. So I, I was like, okay, the the senior pastor, okay, he's he's with it, and then he ends up kicking us out. So it's true what you were, you were saying though; it has to start with the leader because. The people around, you know, in my position was the assistant pastor, but he can be uh, Calvinistic. There's other leaders that can be Calvinistic, but until that leader or the, you know, whatever non-denominational leader, it's until his mind is changed, the whole church is going to go with what that what that person said. And so sadly, we, we live nowadays where it's like non-denominations are like Roman Catholics. And in order to reform, there has to be separation because if not, nothing's going to be reformed. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. That's unfortunately what has to happen. So we're left with the only other option is we're going to have to leave. You know what I mean? And so, Sarah, I want to ask you, um, you know, as a, as a woman, 
as as a sister. Um, I know it's hard, um, especially for women to when community in the church is lacking, right? Because yeah. I know my wife went through that also. And so how, how was it for you to kind of be like, okay, now these ladies at the church, they're not messing with me now. And, and like, what do I do? You know, how was that for you being, you know, put on this game and now having been shunned by the sisters? Um, how was that struggle? Uh, it was extremely lonely, uh-huh. very lonely. Um, I would be really thankful when someone would talk to me. <laughs> Um, it got to that point, um, but at first it was it was frustrating because mm-hmm. uh, I'm like I don't know I feel like so much has to be ignored so much has to be ignored to um, I guess to keep going on like yeah. that way with it, and keep like dissing Calvinism and scriptures and different mm-hmm. things. Um, so it was at first it was like it was frustrating then uh, once it got lonely though that was hard because even from the beginning i really really just wanted a woman to to teach me mm-hmm. and to speak into my life and and keep a lot of like a lot of women did and had really big hearts and and prayed for me and all different types of things just i mean i was there a lot i was 19 when i started going there so i had yeah. a lot of great women um especially the pastor's wife um but it's like i think it was hard because a lot of times since everyone believes the same thing and no one no one was going to change from that it's like i really would take it um i would take it what what i could which was that like Mm. you love me you care for me um i really wish though that you were giving me something that i can really hold on to Um, so I think the fact that a lot of things weren't biblical, um, was hard for me cause it's, it was not, not that it was a waste or anything, but just, I felt like I could get this, a lot of this information or encouragement from some speaker or just some motivational thing, but I really wanted something that I can hold on to, especially yeah. if I'm as a woman, all the different, uh, years that like I would need help with certain things. I would hear them. I would hear certain things, and they weren't biblical. So I'm like, like (laughs) I need, like I, when I can't get it for myself right now, I'm Mm. struggling, and I want, I, I I need someone that I know, I know, you know, I know they're gonna put um, biblical things in me, and I think it was just really hard just seeing Joseph like have all these like these friends, and even if they were arguing about theology, they at least had that. I felt like I was like double Dutch, and I'm just like a Mm. total like third wheel, like like listening and talking and learning but yeah. i'm like this is so weird for me to be right here it's like a group of guys and i'm just like standing in the background trying to have a conversation that i felt was stimulating i don't want to talk mm-hmm. about like makeup or whatever <laughs> um but yeah so it was just at the end really lonely um uh i think a big thing was um just seeing that my daughter started to get lonely mm-hmm. um and i think because really since it got kind of so hostile towards the end uh with me and joseph um uh that i was seeing people kind of turn a shoulder to my kids whereas before they would be like oh my gosh you know darla and zion and felix and especially darla though and um and then it just she was just sitting on the bench like (laughs) 
almost yeah. after every service and it's because it was weird you could feel it yeah and my son um at the time he was well i guess he was five or four or something no he's five but uh we we're leaving church and he just out of nowhere said um church doesn't feel the same wow. and i was like i just we're on a drive home and i just started like quietly crying and wow. just looking out the window like I don't even know what to say to that right now because wow. it's like it was a it was clear that our children were being affected and I'm like you yeah. know what? we can we can take it like me and Joseph we can mm-hmm. take it I really wanted to be there till the day that I died like you said Justin like I just wanted to be there forever and just like wait to to see the things that I hoped for you mm-hmm. know and I never ever wanted to leave um, the pastor and his wife um, you know I it, my heart is still broken it's yeah. fresh yeah, you know um. But seeing that it was not even like it wasn't just me and Joseph anymore. Yeah. Like it was our kids, and even then, like I, I mean, with with the youth and stuff, I'm like, I'll never send my daughter there. There's wow. not they're not teaching biblical things, and she's yeah. she's ten. She's gonna be a teenager soon, yeah. and I'm like, what? It's it's gonna be a dead end because we we can't we can't send her there. We don't believe mm-hmm. in anything that they're teaching. It's totally heretical. So yeah. it was, yeah. It was lonely and it was hard to the end. <laughs> and I think the hard part too is we, we got to a point where it's like, is it right for us to be in a place where I have to undo what my kids get taught yeah. all around mm-hmm. the church? And the church backs that teaching and it's like, so best bet, <laughs> my daughter goes to a youth group, she comes back, I have to tell her, hey, everything that person said is completely false. Don't listen to that. They don't know, yeah. they don't even know their Bible, obviously, based on what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. And yet And it was a woman preaching. And as a woman a lot of the time. <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of women that commandeered their husband's authority, uh, to say the least. Wow. But, uh, and it's almost like, so I'm supposed to put my daughter in a position under someone's authority who I know for a fact does not use, believe, or teach the Bible at any point. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and they just use scripture to their benefit and to proof test almost everything. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's the tough part right there, man. Um, and I went through something like that with the kids, too, when... When I would have to tell them, oh, that's not right. This is what the Bible actually says and this and that. And it's at that point, you're like, man, it shouldn't be like this. You know what I mean? It should not be like this. I should be confident in whoever's teaching my kid at school that they're teaching sound doctrine. Right? Um, Wait, so, I was the children's ministry leader. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. I was like, as I remember, Justin was Wait, not, not always, not always though, not always. For the past, yeah, no, no, yeah. you didn't just teach the kids. You had other. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, it wasn't me all the time. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, we had other people under us. Yeah, not not only that, we but did like the curriculum. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Oh man. No, no, like even even before, dude. Like even yeah, before, no, like, yeah, you know, okay. Someone would say something to them, and they're like, "Oh, they, you know, sister, this said that," and I'm like, "No, nah, don't listen to that, sister." You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think um, things started to change, right? When uh, at, at Reverend Rudy's birthday party, when we met up. Yeah. So, so I, I'll let her. But I had, had known you guys for years before that, uh-huh. and so I had a community outside our community of friends that I could talk to. And so we had not considered leaving yet. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was praying about it just because of uh, some last events that took place, but it wasn't really on the table. And his party didn't put it on the table, but it did open my wife's eyes to something that I think she can only explain. So I'm going to let her explain that. 
Okay, so never in my life had I met a reformed woman. Not once. So um, going from being kind of shut down for the things I was saying or like really embrace like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, wow, like it's there. The scripture's there. And then but it just gets undone anyways yeah. by somebody else saying like, don't listen to what Sarah's saying. Like, yeah, that's not what we believe, you know, here. So being around uh, your wives, um, especially Cindy that night, mm-hmm. I had a conversation with her and I was just mostly quiet and really just listening mm-hmm. to her. And she was, <laughs> when she was like, you know, that we're predestined. And, and just, I'm like, <laughs> just hearing, it was like, I was just watching her mouth as the words <laughs> were coming out. Like, just you like, put your hand on her mouth. <laughs> Don't say that. Wait a minute. <laughs> or, like, or actually say that one more time slower. <laughs> but Can it I was, record you? <laughs> it was like really a trip for me. And, um, really hearing her story, your guy's story, mm-hmm. all of you. Um, she was telling me and filling me in, um, and I really was blown away. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple pastors uh, that we talked to. I think it was um, it was a pastor from Arizona that was talking to Joseph. Yeah, yeah and he was telling him, um, you know, how how long, like, mm-hmm. you know, what damage you can do to your family. Like, how long are you going to keep that? And and I, there were just a lot of different conversations. Especially, I'm telling you, though, every time a woman spoke and she was Calvinist and she's just saying all these things and just spewing out all this stuff, all this stuff, like it was just an everyday. I, we left like it was a twilight zone. We left in silence, <laughs> in silence, all the way to the car. Like, well, what did we just experience? Yeah, it was like a lot of deep breathing, walking back. We're like, what? And, and he's like, he's like, oh gosh like like he he was you know he he's known you guys a bit but i had nothing you know Mm -hmm. i had i had no woman to um to kind of talk to about these things or you know uh, because towards the end i'm like oh my gosh like i'm gonna tell somebody and then they're i don't want to put another target on my back you know um but yeah it was the twilight zone for sure i didn't even know there was a community of like reformed people it was the girl i've been talking to like uh, we've been sharing like stories and like wow like it's so similar she lives in Germany <laughs> and she, we met on Instagram and we're like FaceTiming and and like Dang, oh my that's gosh weird. that's <laughs> cool yeah and she's like yeah you know she lives on a farm and she's saying all these things and she's like yeah you but you know my church started doing you know following more Bethel and the Sozo method wow. um, where they like apologize to their bodies and things like that oh. they repent uh, I don't even want to know what that is <laughs> it, there's a lot of stuff you know I'm sorry body for eating that ice cream <laughs> that's literally exactly what it is you're really? repenting Dang. to your body really yeah yeah so she's like um she's like so you know i'm you know i'm i'm left the church because it, it was just they uh, it was like um getting really hostile for me they stopped inviting me to things wow. they um took me off of the the leadership they all the stuff she's like um she's like and i was wow. saying things so nicely and she's just and she is really sweet and we're just talking i'm like and i'm telling i'm telling my husband and this is like well we're still at our church and mm-hmm. i'm like babe like someone across the world mm-hmm. is going through the exact same thing and in my head that was the only mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> woman that i knew wow. so meeting everyone here in mm-hmm. the area and and your all your wives and stuff i'm like oh my gosh like i was that that's how far it was for me yeah. in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was a community close by. So it changed. It really did change yeah. everything. That's when the tears started coming for me because I knew that it was actually a realistic consideration yeah. of 
looking for another home for our family. Mm -hmm. I think when we look back that that day, it didn't put us leaving on the table, but it made us realize that we could actually have a community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think through through the years and through all the fights and through all the disagreements, we accepted the community. We're going to be at that church, yeah. but community was off the table for us. Mm-hmm. So we were always we just accepted like we're always going to be outside the church community. Wow. We're going to be in the church, but we're going to be outside the community for the rest of our lives. Wow. And that's what we had. We had we had learned to accept that. So we had friends wow. come and go. We had people write us off. And we said, look, and we would look at each other and say, okay, we know that's what's going to happen. Wow. We're just okay with that. Wow. That sucks, yeah. dude. That shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case, dude. So that's, that's what that night did for us. So yeah. that night said, there's an entire community of people that we could belong to and actually do life together. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and, and that was, that was what was so eye opening that there wasn't, um, fake piety. There wasn't mm-hmm. this idea that we had to be somebody we weren't. I, I could just come be honest with you as a yeah. brother, and and, and we stop keeping our heads down. Yeah, we stop yeah. keeping yeah. our heads just down. Keeping our heads down, just trying to just be, get by. Yeah, just trying to get by. So just the fact of not not going to church and keeping our heads down mm-hmm. and nipping somewhere where like, hey, people are saying hi to us. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk. You know, we could do all this again. Um, yeah, it was big wow. for us. No low pro highs where they like, like secretly hit me with the high five when nobody's looking. Oh so man, I'm in trouble. But yeah. <sighs> Man, yeah, so, man, that, that day, you know what I mean? Uh, I remember me and you having a conversation. I was trying to, hey, I was already trying to, hey, bro, come on, come on this side. The water's fine. You know what I mean? I was already pushing him, like, hey, bro, come on. You were? How long are you going to wait? Like, come on, do it already. And I know you had a plan to, to wait till the end of the year. And I, was, and I told you the same thing, bro. Like, hey, a lot can happen between now and then. A know? lot did happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. More than like, I could ever imagine. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, hey, bro, it's better for you, out of my own experience, to tell you it's better for you to leave peacefully than to wait to that day to get kicked out because that's going to hurt even more. Yeah, so I, I believe mean, that was August or early September, right? Yeah, around that time. And I told you I was going to wait till the beginning of the year. We were in your church November, the first week of November. Yeah. We didn't make it to yeah to the end of the year as we planned. Yeah, yeah, man. So praise God, man. So how, how has it been then? You know what I mean? It's not like we're trying here to promote our church or nothing like that, but it was life-changing for me, you know what I mean, to come to a place where I can be my reformed self. The, the reformed little feet of me that's inside of me, you know what I mean, can fully come out and be like fully out there and, and just be, use all the theological terms I, I, I want without nobody criticizing me or judging me saying that I'm only, you know, big headed or anything. How's it been? On the I'm, contrary, we're encouraged to use those terms. Yeah, exactly. Right? You hear them over the pulpit. Uh, I, I think that first sermon, uh, Rev Chris, I remember I was just thinking like, did you just say election over the pulpit like it was no big deal? <laughs> He's looking around like, bro, just, <laughs> am I the only one, am I the one that just heard this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did he just, is he just talking about, you know what I mean? Like, just openly and, and uh, obviously coming from where we came from to the, just the culture in general, uh, a, a biblically centered culture is always going to be different. Yeah. Right, where everything, you know, uh, I, I've had a few friends that kind of just tune in on the services and, 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 and they say they all say the same thing. It's extremely intentional. Mm-hmm. Like there's an objective here. The objective is to glorify God yeah. through the sound preaching of His Word, mm-hmm. right? And so experiencing that has made all the difference uh, in our family. Now, there's still a lot of stuff we're sorting through from leaving. It's only been a few yeah. months, and obviously, uh, I can be happy about what's going on now 
and still be tremendously saddened about what's taken yeah, place yeah. in the recent past. And that is the case for, for me. I feel like I'm such a mixed bag. And, and that's normal, bro. We went through that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? At the, uh, on one hand, we're like, man, I mean, thank God that we have a place to go to and it's completely different. There's community. But at the same time, your heart aches because, I mean, just um, the memories and the times you spent there. And that was the only place you only considered being. You know, you, you never in your wildest dreams would you think that you had to leave this church because of this reason, yeah. right? You th- like me, like I was like, I'm not gonna leave until I hear like heresy, heresy coming from the pulpit, or I get kicked out. Like, and that's what I told my wife. Like, this is these are our, our options right here. Ended up being us getting kicked out, and that caused a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger and bitterness. Um, and that's not easy to get over, you know what I mean? So, I, I feel you guys, you know, still, you know, kind of, you know, heartbroken. And it's going to take a little bit yeah. uh, to heal, um, but it's normal. It's normal to go through the process. But now, bro, like, we're already, we're, this year is going to be two years at RCLA. Can you, think, can you believe that, dude? Mm-hmm. That's going to be yeah. crazy. This summer. <laughs> this summer already, dude. Yeah. And so, I mean, like now, man, I, I don't have any hostility to, towards anybody in our previous church because I know where God has brought us to, to this point right here. Absolutely. And the things that we're looking forward to. And it had to be this way. Like, I look at it, it had to be this way in order for me to feel that pain and, and identify with so many other believers that are going through the same thing. And for me to be like, hey, you know, you're okay. You know what I mean? You're fine for believing what you believe. And there's a lot of us out there going through it, so... You know, keep trusting God. You know, that's ultimately the whole point of this, that we're able to identify with each other and being able to be like, you know what? I went through the same thing and there's hope for you that you will find a sound church. Yeah, it's like that. uh, It's like in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. (laughs) I want to hear this. When, (laughs) when, When Peter's on the roof crying, right? After Aunt May, just all the spoilers, sorry. After Aunt May died and then uh, the other Spider-Man come down and they're relating with him because yeah, they understand right? how he feels, the pain, and then going on to speak like like it's not in vain. Like this this was a necessary step for you to continue to grow to become, you know. You know, just growing well, for in the, in, in the movie, yeah. <laughs> like this was this was one of those necessary things that yeah. that needed to take place for for you to grow as you know Spider Man. But but for us, like like for the most part, like separation from uh, the unbiblical church or or separation in itself is necessary for us to continue to grow. Unfortunately, right? It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. There's pain. And there's a lot of time that has to take place, but it does lead us um, to continue to grow, uh, especially when we're surrounded with other people that are like-minded, yeah. that are aiming in the same trajectory that we are in as well, which is to be biblical, semper reformanda, to continue to reform uh, and not just be content. And and it's almost, yeah, it's, it's like that saying, uh, with with uh, with great knowledge comes great doxology. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, something. What? I don't know. I was trying to think of something on, on the top of my head. <laughs> it was going good until the last oh, yeah. part. Yeah. I mean, so I'm was gonna, that last part. <laughs> I'm gonna take that out. 
No, man. That, I mean, I think you hit it right there, dude. That does, that's a good analogy. You know what I mean? To, when the other Spider-Man come and they're relating to him. And it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Uh, we're able to relate to each other because of the experiences that we went through. And we're here to say, you know what? This is a necessary step to go through in order to get to that reformed person that you will become. You know what I mean? And it's just the beginning, you know what I mean? It's just the beginning, and I'm excited for you guys, you know what I mean? And, and like I told you before, man, we're here, you know what I mean? We're here to walk with you guys, to pray with you, to to cry with you, whatever the case may be, because um, we know what it's what it's like, you know? So Appreciate that. Yeah, man. So I guess one of the last questions is how, how can we be assured of these things, these things that we stand up for? Um, these things that have separated us from, you know, people that we've loved, um, that have ultimately, you know, caused division between us and church leaders or pastors, whatever it may be, this doctrine of grace, um, Calvinist doctrine. What is so assuring that that when we understand these things, what is it about it that assures us? I think at the base level, at least for me, what I see is is seeing that. God is absolutely sovereign. Mm-hmm. And in his sovereignty, he, he beckons and controls and commands everything. And so when he still beckons that we be saved, even though we don't deserve it, even though we've committed cosmic treason, and then not only does he beckon that we be saved, but he assures us in his gospel, in his word, that nothing can take us out of his hand. So we learn that it's it's not based on how tightly we can grip God, but how tightly he grips us. Yeah. And that assurance in my life has gotten me through my lowest moments, even as a Christian. And that's what I hold on to. That's what I'm willing to divide over. I'm willing to divide over the fact that God is absolutely sovereign at every level and every single thing. And in that we can have assurance. But in, there is nothing else that can give us assurance other than his, his power and, his, and who he is. Mm-hmm. Amen. And it's that thing that, that that really just changes just the outlook on, on everything that we hold to. Um, that, that's why like we, we don't de- deny what we affirm and believe, even if, you know, Calvin is attached to it. You know, uh, one of the things that, that was said about us was that we could stay, but we have to deny Calvinist doctrine. It's like, how am I going to deny the one thing that gives me hope? Like, mm, like bars, knowing that God is sovereign over all things, over my own choices, assures me a lot because I make dumb choices. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yes, he uh, does. And, 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 <laughs> and my salvation isn't hinged upon what I do, but what he's already done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the most freeing thing for any believer. It's no longer, you know, I'm going to, you know, drinking a glass of wine. Like I lost my salvation. I might as well just wait till the Lord's day to gain my salvation back. You know, I sin, you know, all throughout the week. And then on the Lord's day, you know, I'll, I'll repent and ask Jesus back in my heart. I'll go to the altar and I'll, and I'll be good for the first couple of days. And then, you know, look forward to that Lord's day just so I can repent again. Yeah. Um, no, like I'm free. Like it's that biblical image of the family that he's given us. Right. I don't cast out my son because he doesn't do what I asked him to do, or he does something that goes against what I want him to do. He's still my son regardless. I love him regardless because he's mine. It's the same thing. Like, 
we're adopted into this royal family. We call ourselves children of God, but we beat ourselves up and we act like he has cast us out of the family because we lied or because we sinned against him. It was like, no, we're still his children. He wants us to come to him in forgiveness, asking for forgiveness as his children. And he's just to forgive. Uh, and it's just, it's just that thing that really just hits home with understanding the doctrines of grace and, and just all these things. Like it really does assure us as the believer that man, like God is good. Even when I'm not like, mm-hmm. he continues to be good. And man, like, like how can we not like this, this is why it's, we want to share this with everyone. This is why we hope that churches, you know, reform in that theology or whatever they understand about God, that they reform in it. And that our brothers and sisters reform as well, because this is very freeing and it is very assuring for the believer. We no longer have to beat ourselves up. We no longer have to do all these things to gain the love of God, but his love is already on us Mm -mm -mm. and we walk from it. We work from that. We live from that. And that's why like, we're all like, you know, zealot, zealous about these things because like man like like how like how could you not share these things with everyone else so that they too would be able to hold this and be assured themselves jesus said abide in me and i will abide in you and that's assurance that we have that he is with us no matter what we've done or continue to do um he remains faithful i mean and he, he is sovereign over all things and um we're comforted in that because like Justin said, we're going to, we're going to make some stupid decisions. You know what I mean? And, uh, I teach my kids, you know, like what is our only hope in life and in death is that we are not our own, but belong to God right there. You know what I mean? Nothing is able to snatch us out of his hands. If I go to a church that says that I'm going to lose my salvation, what assurance can I have? Like really that's to me, uh, the whole losing your salvation is a heretical doctrine, dude. It's heresy. Therefore, there is no condemnation unless you mess up again. <laughs> right? <laughs> Until you mess up. <laughs> yeah, it's bogus, man. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for you guys. And, you know, before we head out, man, I just want to ask you guys, can you guys do me solid? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Lord coming to your life. <laughs> oh, wow. If, if, if you've seen the, the interview between Babylon B and Elon Musk, you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> man, they had the one opportunity and they messed it up. Come on, bro. Just do me a solid, man. Come on. Just, just accept him. Okay. Come on. Just do it, man. You're 60% there? Nah, we got him. <laughs> oh, man. Victor, you got any last words or what? Um, this is uh, Victor and I previous message. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What, what what encouragement can you guys give to anyone listening out there that may be going through the same thing? <laughs> okay. Um, one that you're not alone. Um, two that it's worth it. Um, three that the the assurance that we have in the seriousness of the word is it's worth all the things that you may have to go through or people you may lose or different things like that. Um, for I, I'll say quickly for me, cause as you guys are talking about um, being assured mm-hmm. um, for me, if all of my sins were listed, um, there's some big ones, some big things um, to a normal person. I would think that's, that's a lot. Um, 
because of reading these scriptures, because of seeing everything in the Bible, because of the Calvinistic doctrine and see, like knowing all of these things, I'm, that's what assures me. Mm-hmm. And if really, if, if I ignored all those things, like I'm quote unquote supposed to, I would not survive. Um, I would, I would not survive at all. I would be out of the church. I would be all these different things, but having the assurance that I'm not just going to, that my salvation isn't lost. Um, every time I mess up, um, has held me and that it, it is worth it. And even if you hear it and you're downing it or you're not into it or you don't like the person, just taking scripture seriously is really all that matters. Even if you don't believe it right now, just taking scripture seriously is really the only sign of, of growth, no matter where you're at right now. And then if I could share some encouragement, uh, one of the things that I didn't realize how encompassing was is, is my allegiance is to the gospel, it's to the world. And that's not just meaning like, hey, let's fight everybody, let's do all that. My allegiance is to the gospel with my family, like in sharing the gospel to my family, to my wife, to my children, and then being in an environment where they can be taught the gospel. And so if you're in a place and you have a conviction about the gospel, about the word, it is never okay to accept the fact that that should be censored. Mm. So we spent too many years thinking... Let's just censor the gospel in hopes that they may accept it later. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that nobody comes to the gospel other than by the preaching of the gospel and God opening their eyes in that. Right? But like censoring yourself is only going to do damage to you and it's not serving anybody's purpose other than your own. Uh, one of the last things that, that I would like to encourage people with is self-preservation is inherently unchristian. Yeah, mm. we see that in the example of Christ. So if you're scared to speak up because it's gonna, it's gonna bring pain and hurt in your life, that is an inherently unChristian belief that you need to fight against. You need to fight against the idea that you should preserve yourself over speak the truth. It's funny because that would actually lead to the outside looking understanding of like well does this person really understand the gospel to begin with if this is what they hold to and it leads to that parable of the person who just buried the the talent it's like well if 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 our understanding is we're gonna hold the gospel we're gonna do whatever it takes to bring them in right you know topical studies or whatever it may be food music lights all these things and then hope that you know what they'll, they'll come across the gospel when we tell them to read the word it's like no like you're, you're not doing anything for them. You're just becoming a, a glorified country club <laughs> that you're able to sing together. So something Rev Rudy said to me once was, what you save them with is what you save them to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's I've never seen that be more true than in, in those types of examples. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, I mean, I hope um, those, of, those who are listening were encouraged and edified by this episode. I'm knowing that, you know, there's many of us who have gone through it, are going through it, and I will go through it. Um, but there's there's uh, there's green grass on the other side. There's a, there's a home, there's a place for you. And this is why, you know, this whole church planting 
journey for us is so important because we want to have somewhere where we can point people to and be like, hey, come over here. We have, you know, we will point you to Christ. You know, you can have community. You can be, uh, you can be your reformed self. You know what I mean? Because there's so many of us that feel like we can't, we can't be ourselves in, in at church. You know what I mean? And even for the new believer too, and that, creating that comes a, to the a whole new generation of to where they don't have believers. to. Yeah, so they don't have to exactly. They don't have to go through these experiences. They just their kids can grow up in a reformed place that is for them. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that's why we're seeking to plant in, low, in a low-income area so that we can infiltrate the hood and be like, hey, there's there's people out there like us and our kids are going to be growing up as reformed people. You know, I posted on my Instagram a couple of months ago or like last month or something like that with my daughter. She was doing this whole thing about herself. They're doing about their own culture. And she, she put at the end, you know, that she was a reformed Christian. She's eight years old, right? Eight years old. You know, I learned about myself that I'm a reformed Christian. I was like, man, praise the Lord. You know what I mean? That's dope. You know, so now they're they're growing up with that mentality. Now they're not gonna have to go through what we went through. You know what I mean? And that's a blessing. You know what I mean? Because we should be those people that are opening the door for others to come in and be like, you know, welcome home. Here's a spot for you. You know what I mean? So praise God, man. Um, a lot of good things ahead. Uh, 2022 is gonna be the year of vision. Since we didn't have one two years ago. Oh man! Yeah. I've seen this one like meme or something. Where, like when you realize that 2022 is spelled 2022. Like also. <laughs> yeah, also. <laughs> like oh no, not again, <laughs> not again. <laughs> So this is Reform Raza. We do this to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Grow as we grow. A rato, vatos. Later. Peace. Wait, which button is it? Mm-hmm. Remember, the force will be with you always. Because this is for